You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to another episode of the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. Make sure you visit the website, thedivorcedchristian.com. We have information there regarding the book. All the information you hear on this platform, you can find in the book, The Divorced Christian. That book is available on Amazon. And you can find more information, once again, on the website. We also have information uh, or resources that are available for a lot of the information that I'm sharing on the podcast show. If you go to the website at the bottom of the page, there's quite a few uh, links that are available that you can click on and see where I'm getting my information from. I'm not making anything up. Uh, everything that I'm sharing, I've researched, um, is taught through the rabbinical teachings. And so I'm, I'm highlighting some of these teachings to help us understand not just the Old Testament, but also the teachings of Jesus that was in line with the law of Moses, which would mean that if Jesus was saying something different than what we've been teaching, it's important that we know what Jesus was really saying. And so um, thank you for joining us on today. Uh, we have listeners in 47 different countries. I would love to hear from you. So hit us on our email address. The information is right there in the link in the notes of today's episode, but you can email us at divorcedchristianpodcast at gmail.com. On last week, we started a message where we talked about the unlawful marriages that was a part of the law of Moses. And one of those unlawful marriages is what we find in the teachings of Jesus. It's the adulterous marriage. And I highlight this because it is a law that we are not familiar with as Christians. But once we understand the law and apply it to Jesus' teachings, then our understanding takes a whole different turn. The conversation that Jesus was having with the Jews that he was talking to, even in his conversation with the Pharisees. And so... We're going to begin where we kind of left off on last week. I'm going to touch a little bit on the teachings of Jesus. And then we're going to look at this unlawful marriage that David had, as well as Samson. And we're going to do a comparison between these two marriages as they line up with the law of Moses. I think one major problem with Christian teachings is their lack of understanding of the law. And so we see the law of Moses played out in all of these stories in the Old Testament. But our lack of understanding causes us many times to draw conclusions that are inaccurate. And so uh, today you're listening to episode 33. It's entitled David's Unlawful Marriage versus Samson's. And so let's begin with the explanation of the law of Moses in regards to unlawful marriages. So there's two that I highlight. 
The first is the ancestral marriages, and we're going to look at this in more detail um, in the next couple episodes. But we can find this listed in Leviticus chapter 18. There's a list that Moses put together of relationships that was unlawful. And so any marriages that would occur based on this uh, next of kinship or closeness of kinship would be viewed as ancestral. And so these marriages were not permitted in the nation of Israel. And so this was one type of unlawful marriage. You can find that list in Leviticus 18. I believe it's also in Leviticus 20 that you might find another list as well. And so it's several passages that talks about this sort of unlawful marriage. So we'll cover this in more detail at another time. The second type of unlawful marriage would be the adulterous marriage. And what we've done as Christians is we defined an adulterous marriage as the second marriage following your first marriage. So if a man or a woman was married and they then got divorced, we labeled the second marriage an adulterous marriage. And that's not true according to the law of Moses. So once we look at the law of Moses and apply the law of Moses definition for an adulterous marriage into what Jesus was then explaining, then Jesus' teachings begin to make a lot more sense. So the problem has been our Christian teachings, we're trying to figure out what Jesus is saying, and it's a result of our ignorance of the law of Moses. And so, once again, and we've covered this many times on this platform in many different episodes, but I'll give you the explanation again. A woman in Israel could not divorce her husband. She could not initiate a divorce. What she could do was go to the court and make a request. And then the court could compel the husband to initiate a divorce. Now, there were several just causes for a woman to initiate a divorce. And one would be, as I've mentioned, a man being sterile. Another would be uh, based on their ketubah or the marriage agreement. If he was not fulfilling his obligations as written in the ketubah, he's breaking their agreement, then she could ask the court to compel her husband for a divorce. Okay, so those are just two examples, and we'll spend more time on that later as well. So, with that being said, a woman could not initiate a divorce, and abandonment was not unlawful. There was no recourse of action. So if a man just abandoned his wife and disappeared, then she was basically stuck in this marriage until the day she dies. And so they have this term, term we need to be familiar with as Christians, aguna. Look this word up, Google it, A-G-U-N-A-H. If you're listening on any of these uh, podcast platforms, you can find podcast shows devoted to the crisis of Aguna. It is a current problem in the nation of Israel. It is a problem that has always persisted since the day of Moses. And this is what Jesus was pushing on. So 
The term aguna was a word given to women that it, it really means chained. A woman is chained in a relationship. Her man, her husband, they don't know where he is. And because she is married, she is not able to initiate a divorce. And so she cannot remarry. So this is why Jesus' teachings on the subject is very interesting, because if we understood their time and culture, when Jesus talks about a woman that has been put away, that then enters into another marriage, it was, it was clearly understood by those Jews that woman could not enter into a second marriage unless she's divorced or her husband dies. Either way, her ketubah is settled. She'll receive exactly what's been promised her in her ketubah upon either divorce or the death of the husband. Both had to be written into the ketubah of what the woman would receive in those situations. Then she was free to remarry. So they had these scenarios because the men would travel or go off to war or different things, activities where men would come up missing. They would be gone for months, if not years. And we can see this in the scriptures. Uh, Moses himself, when he was sent by God to confront Pharaoh, he took his wife and his children with him. But at some point, he sends the wife back and his sons back to his father-in-law, to Jethro. And then we find Jethro bringing his wife and sons to him once he brings the nation of Israel into the wilderness. And that's when uh, Moses sets up the governmental structure of the court system where you have the 70 elders. And so these men would go off to handle business and would be gone for years. And the woman doesn't know where he is. And so this was a normal part of their culture to have women in their towns that were aguna. There's no man around, but she is unable to remarry. She's chained by law to her marriage. This is what Paul's talking about in the New Testament. And so at some point, we're going to take a, take a look at those New Testament scriptures and explain what Paul's saying in those passages as well. And so if they receive word from the mouth of two or three witnesses, then the woman was able to go to the court and state that I have witnesses. I have proof that my husband has died in doing so. Her ketubah was then settled. And she was free to be another man's wife. But if it was later determined that the husband was still alive or the man would show up, we have a major problem because now her first ketubah is still legal. It's still binding. And her second marriage that she entered into was then labeled the adulterous marriage. It's a invalid marriage. So then she receives the status of an adulteress. The man receives in a, the status of an adulterer and it was not punishable by death. Whereas in adultery, if the woman was found guilty of adultery, the punishment for adultery was death for the woman as well as the man she was involved with. So we see how the capital punishment in these two sort of scenarios are drastically different. And so we don't find this law within the scriptures, like written out in this sort of explanation. I found this information on these websites, several websites, 
um, that I use to explain the law of Moses. These are rabbis teachings and they're explaining the Talmud and some of the teachings of the Levitical laws. And so we do find these laws played out in the stories that we read in the Old Testament. And so this is exactly what Jesus was describing in Matthew chapter five, Matthew 19, as they're discussing the laws pertaining to adultery. And so um, we've gone through this and I'll just go through one passage again on today uh, because I think it's, it's important that we hear this and know the truth as opposed to some of the conclusions that have been drawn, which have been drawn in error. So in Matthew chapter five, at verse 32, where Jesus said that whosoever shall put away his wife, remember, divorce requires two parts, the putting away as well as the bill of divorce. So it's the two parts of divorce. What Jesus is talking about is only one portion, the putting away. So this is not a legal divorce that occurs. Whosoever shall separate or put away his wife, except for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. Why? Because they're only separated. They're not divorced. And whosoever shall marry her, that is put away. That word divorced should not be in the scripture. If you go to the concordance, you'll realize Jesus keeps using the same word apolio over and over. So you find the word apolio used in verse 32. You do not find the word apostasion, which is the Greek word for divorce. So whosoever shall marry her that is a polio, that is separated, committeth adultery. And this lines up perfectly with the law of Moses, because this is the law of an adulterous marriage. So by law, they were required to have a mandatory divorce. The man divorces the first husband, divorces his wife because he cannot take her back as his wife. So now he's required by law to divorce his wife. Otherwise, he would be defiled. And we're going to look at that passage of scripture in a minute. So the first husband has to divorce his wife. And then the second husband, the adulterous husband, is also required to divorce his wife because his marriage is now viewed as illegal. And then she is free to be another man's wife, but she cannot ever remarry either two of these men. She is forever for, um, forbidden from both men. And what I'm going to do is put the link into on the website, the divorcechristian.com. If you want to read this information, you can see the link of where I got this from so that you can read through the laws of Moses in regards to an adulterous marriage. So let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'm going to read verse one. Remember, there's two parts to marriage as required by Moses and two parts to divorce. So verse one, when a man hath taken a wife and married her, those are your two parts, the betrothal and the actual exchanging of the vows, the nuptials. And it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement. That's part one and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. That's part two. So these men were only sending their wives out of their house, but they were not divorcing them. Why? Because they didn't want to settle the, the divorce. It was too costly. They know what they agreed to. And so they don't want to give her uh, the payment for divorce. 
and they also don't want to return the dowry. So these, this was one of the major issues, a part of the culture there in Israel, and it has not changed. This was back in Moses' time, it's in Jesus' time, and it's today's time as well, because women today are still aguna. Okay, so those are our two parts of divorce. Verse two, when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Verse three, and if the latter husband hates her and writes her a bill of divorcement and give it to her in her hand and sendeth her out of his house. See the two parts again. And if the latter husband died, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled. So they're not permitted to take her back, even though the first husband returns from the dead, so to speak. And so the defilement is a key element is as part of this law of Moses. I'm not sure if I've shared this before, but one reason they say that Moses put this law in place was so that if the woman ended up divorced and she received her payment through the ketubah, they didn't want her to now go marry another man end up divorced with him, receive a payment through a ketubah, and then return to the first husband. So it, it was also a way of protecting the man from fraud, but it was put in place to protect the woman so that she could receive what was promised her in their marriage agreement, as well as if she was put out on her own, she should be able to receive their agreement payment, her divorce payment, as well as her dowry. She's supposed to receive these items. Okay, so let's now apply this law to the story of David. I'm gonna go through the story of David very quickly because we've covered this in more detail. I wanna spend more time with Samson. But in the story of David, we have David marrying the daughter of Saul. So we see their marriage agreement. They didn't do the ketubah. And that word ketubah, by the way, you can find it in Deuteronomy chapter one. Go through the concordance. You're gonna find that word ketubah. It means literally to write. Okay, so they didn't do a ketubah. They didn't do a standard marriage agreement. What they decided was that David will present foreskins as a payment. And of course, we understand this was Saul's plot to have David killed. So then he fulfills the agreement, enters into marriage with the daughter of Saul. This is Michal, and they become husband and wife. And then Saul attempts to kill David. It came to the house. David is let out the window. Mikael covers for him and creates this image in the bed to make them think that David's still at the house. And he escapes. And he's gone for several chapters. It's hard to tell how many months or years David is gone. But David is still alive. And then we have this passage of scripture where it says, and Mikael was given to faulty or faulty in marriage. Saul married her to another man. Now, when we understand the law of Moses, this was a illegal marriage because no one, everyone knows David's not dead. David was a international person at this point after killing Goliath. And he had several victories in battle. His name begins being spread abroad. They start writing songs about this man, national songs. And so David is a very popular figure. And so there's no word of his death. So everyone knows that this is a illegal marriage. As I explained on last week, we understand from the writings in the Talmud that Mikael and Felti or Faulty never consummated their marriage. 
If they had, this would have been an adulterous marriage. So what happens is when David finally returns, this is after the death of Saul, he then makes a league or a pact with the son of Saul. This is Ishbosheth, and he says to Ishbosheth, "I'll agree to our agreement, but you send me my wife, send me your sister, my wife, who I paid the foreskins to your father for." And so we have that story of faulty following after Michal as she's now returning back to David. And of course, Abner, they said he was crying. So Abner, the general of the army, tells Felty, go back home. And the scripture says that he returned home, but he was a heartbroken man. But he's highlighted in Jewish teachings because he never violated the marriage between Michal and David. And so they, they highlight this story of a man that, was, that worked to keep his, his, his manly passions in place. He understood the marriage agreement between David and this woman and would not violate the law of Moses, the laws of God, by entering into an adulterous marriage. In my opinion, and I'm sharing this, my opinion, I feel the man felt pressured by King Saul to enter into this marriage. And so, of course, the story is that he kept a sword in between him and his wife, and they had an agreement that if either of them gave into their, their passions, they would use that sword to take each other's life. Why? Because they would have committed adultery. So they would have been killed anyway, according to the law of Moses. And so that's why we have this story of the woman of Michal going back to David. Legally, she had no choice. She was David's wife. And then we have the story of David getting the Ark of the Covenant. He's dancing before the Lord. And she then begins to make those comments to David and regarding, regarding how vile he was. So according to the law of Moses, if they had consummated their marriage, David would have been defiled in taking Michal back. So the law would have required David then to divorce her. So we don't see the divorce because of the fact that Faulty decided he was not going to violate David's marriage. So we see this law played out in the scriptures. A man that went away for many years, he returns home and he and his wife are still legally married. So this had potential to be an adulterous marriage, even though it ends up that it was not because they observed the law. So now let's look at the marriage of Samson. So in Judges chapter 14, we have this story of Samson seeing a Philistine woman and understand this was God's will. I don't know why we teach it. Christians teach it from this aspect. But Samson marrying this woman was not a rebellion. It was God's will as he is using Samson as a weapon against the nation of the Philistines. So he's doing the will of God, even though it seems like a violation of the law of Moses, but it really was not. And so we often, we often teach the story of Samson as this rebellious man, but he is, really was a man obedient to the will of God. And so he sees this Philistine woman, which God used this incident as a way to uh, 
allow Samson to now wage war, a one-man war against the nation of the Philistines. And what we have is him marrying this woman, Timnath. His mother and father, of course, were not pleased with this marriage. She was not a Jewish woman. She's not a Hebrew. And so he's marrying a woman that's a Philistine. And in Judges 14, we got this whole riddle that he, he gives at the wedding feast. The scripture says that the wife complained about not knowing the answer to the riddle. And this is after the seven days, which, by the way, was the normal feast time for a wedding, a Jewish wedding. They would do their celebration for seven days. So once Samson gives her the riddle, the answer to the riddle, she then shares it with the Philistines. Samson then goes down to Eshkelon, where he slew 30 men so that he could provide the payment for them guessing the, rent, the riddle. And then at verse 20, Judges 14, 20, it says Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. Beginning of Judges 15, verse 1, after a certain amount of time, Samson then comes to visit his wife. This is after the time of the wheat harvest. He brings a goat with him. He said, I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And this is when the father explains that she was given to another man. What we do not see is Samson saying she is still my wife and taking her. We have Samson now leaving. Why? Because according to the law of Moses, he would be defiled. And so this woman entered into an adulterous marriage, but she was a Philistine. She was not a Jewish woman. So we can see the contrast here between David taking his wife back and Samson then having to walk away from his wife. And so we see the law of an adulterous marriage played out in the scriptures, just as Jesus explained in Matthew 5 and in Matthew chapter 19. Join us next time as we take a look at the second type of unlawful marriage. If you're listening by radio, join us again same time next week. If you're listening to my podcast show, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.